the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wanting the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and let's jam with today's awesome guest. Today's guest is Kay Bebop, an animator with a hand in so many reanimation projects while being one of the coolest cats I know, by literally being a cat when it comes to VTubing. Kay was such an incredible guest to have on the podcast, and the, the conversation that we had, absolutely outstanding, and I know you guys are going to enjoy. If you do enjoy, especially if you enjoy Kay, make sure you support them with all the links down below. If you enjoy the podcast, feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Give us five stars across all of them if possible. Trust me, I look at this stuff. I've noticed the spike on Apple Podcasts. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, guys. If you want to go even further with that support, why don't you go to the merch shop at pmap.creator-spring.com. It's where you can rock some incredible streetwear, including the brand new 90s nostalgia look provided by the wonderful former guest, Roya Shahidi. Absolutely stunning. I cannot get enough of it, and you guys should be repping it as well. If you want to go even further with that support, why don't you be a part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network Discord server, where you can talk more about this podcast and other outstanding ones in the network. In fact, let's hear about another outstanding podcast in the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Hot Goss with Trash Comedy is the podcast where we trade sweet, sweet facts like they're dirty little pieces of gossip. We're a New York-based comedy team, and we're joined each week with a funny, delightful friend. After each person shares their facts, we rate those facts from, oh my god, that's not hot, that's as cold as the coldest ice you've ever seen, to, oh my god, that's so spicy, my mouth is gone. So if that made sense to you, then please join us on Mondays, wherever you get your podcasts. And now, without further ado... Please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. Hello. Hi, how are you? Doing wonderful. About yourself. That's good. Chester plush. I'm sorry. I loved Chester, your the the makeshift plush. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah, I'm a big fan of them. I was going to say, I've actually had them on the podcast as well. That was really cool. That was really cool. Small world. (laughs) True. (laughs) I was going to say, I think I've had a good bit of VTubers. It also certainly doesn't hurt that I'm about to get into it myself, so. It's it's really fun. It's really, really fun. It's one of those I need to, because I'm not personally an artist myself, I'm waiting for my artists to finish up the PNGs for it, which they got like a good couple other things they need to do, but I've already already communicated with them and like at the very least that and then figuring out the technical aspect of connecting my obs to twitch and how to do that aspect of it mm-hmm. i should be set to go like mid-february something like that so well are you just doing like a png tuber or are you doing like a fully rigged i'm gonna do like the, the, the png for now because money uh-huh. and the fact that i'm only using like a simple gaming laptop for streaming and stuff so instead true. of like the full setup or whatnot like if i ever get to that point oh i'm gonna go all in with the vtubing but just to start out just to get my you know the wheels rolling or water. just yeah. yeah so hopefully yeah i totally well. get that <laughs> i'm sure like the the vtubing scene like i've only been doing it for what maybe like 
three months, two months. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people are really, really chill. I, I've, so. I've noticed that, especially, like, on top of that, like, one of the VTubers I did have on this podcast was someone by the name of uh, Artsy Grandpa. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. Um, I'm not. Oh, I was going to say, they're, like, I'm not going to say they're, like, they're very prominent with the VTubing community. I think, like, on their Twitter, they got, like, close to 10,000. And then on mm. Twitch alone, they got, like, over 2,000 followers or stuff. Yeah, some long lines of that. But, um, no, the point is, like, like, I've had them on the podcast and they've been, like, I've been keeping in touch with them all stuff like that. And they've also like included me with like some of the, of uh, his own like friend group and such. So it's like been incredible just to be like fully immersed and getting to like interact with a lot of the community firsthand. That's really cool. That's really cool. I was going to say, plus a friend that we both share, uh, Roshan or Roya. Um, I mean, I, love Roy. I, I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> they are. They really are. I was going to say, in fact, they did, I'm sure you probably saw the announcement somewhere, but I, they actually did one of my most recent like merch drops or whatnot. The yeah, I saw that. That was really cool. <laughs> I was really proud of them for that. Absolutely, it was one of those like whenever they came on the podcast, uh, the thumbnail that they drew. Um, I saw the shirt that they gave me, and I'm like, I actually want that shirt. <laughs> so I just <laughs> I just commissioned them to be like, yeah, here you go, you do it. Uh, whatever money, like I'll. You know, paid a good bit up front, and then whatever is sold, you get half of the proceeds for that. So that's really awesome. Good on you for that, because there's a lot of people out there who like don't really <laughs> don't really like put like fifty percent is like way more than I've ever heard. You know, typically <laughs> well, it's like, much less than that for for some time. Like I did a shirt for a YouTuber, and like I like gave him like a flat rate, and, like here you can just have it. But then like COVID messed with the T-shirt sales, so he ended up really not selling any. <laughs> I was, gonna but... say, I was gonna say that's why I made sure to pay a good flat fee up front because to be honest, right. sh like my shirts in general, like my merch in general, does not really sell, which sucks well, because I love that design, like with a burning passion. But at the same time, you know, I can't control what everyone else loves. You know, yeah, you can you, you can't lead a horse to water. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Exactly, you know? which is like the really upsetting part about merch. Cause I've wanted to do merch for so long, but I'm like, will I don't want to like have 500 keychains in my closet that aren't gonna get sold. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of the thing. Like, what was it? I'm using uh, spring. Like keychains are probably a little bit different, like charms and stuff. I was gonna say I use right. spring for my stuff, which is just you put in the design and then they'll take care of the they printing. Spin it out for you. Yeah, they right. spin it out for you and such. So I mean, I don't know if it's partially because I'm using that or just again the fact that I don't have that grand of an audience to be selling merch or whatnot. I at mm -hmm. the end of, at the end of the day, I'm just at least pushing out stuff that I like, and if other people like it, that's wonderful. So that's what's up. Yes. That's all you really can do. Exactly. And if that means I am the only one that has every single one of my shirts or at least one <laughs> piece of product of everything that I sold, that's fine. I'm more than willing to spend the hundreds of bucks to have that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's my mentality when it comes to just content creation in this podcast in general. I'm talking to individuals that I absolutely enjoy and cannot get enough of. And if I'm the only one that enjoys it, fuck it. That's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it because that means that you enjoy my content. <laughs> exactly. And trust me, we're going to have a good bit to talk about that content because I I was doing the research last night to be 100% sure I was ready for this or whatnot. I did not realize uh -oh. some of the stuff that you were involved with, and I am really intrigued to talk about it. What am I involved with? I don't even know what I'm going to say. I mean, like, 
the a good couple things is like one of your inspirations, which is partially what spawned your name. So we're definitely going to talk about that for a little bit. Um, uh-huh. Some of the reanimation projects that you've had a hand in, because I did not realize how many you were involved with. I was aware of a couple, but then I saw like just a good couple based on your uh, Insta and your YouTube and such. And I'm like, good Lord. I'm also like, pretty sure that it's more than that. I, I, I promise you it's more than that. I'm also <laughs> not surprised by that. I am not surprised by that. <laughs> And then, of course, obviously, the, the Twitch stuff, because that's probably one of the more recent things that you've been involved with, and that's something that you probably yeah. want to get more of an interaction audience of, so why not push it out there? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I was going to say, I even made sure to have my usual questions and stuff, but I also have the mentality of, if it goes a certain direction, I'm not going to interrupt the flow. It's a good flow. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, like, you always have to have that flow with uh, doing the interviews and stuff. Yeah. I'd like... I remember in uh, high school, we had to like make a documentary, and um, I don't, I don't know if it, I think it's still floating on like Vimeo somewhere, <laughs> deep in video on Vimeo, and like me and a friend of mine who also ended up going to the same college as me, we like did a uh, documentary about um, like what it means to be an animator, oh. and like. It, it was really cute, like, seeing me as, like, a junior in high school. It's like, oh, my gosh, I was so – I had so much youth. I didn't have such big bags under my eyes back then. <laughs> That's just more details that you need to make sure you animate. That's all. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's a unique character uh, descriptor or something like that. People can recognize that character by the thousands of bags. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> the Louis Vuitton bags under my eyes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right Kay. before we really get going i must ask the icebreaker question of the podcast let's say you oh. get an opportunity to go to a desert island on your own accord it is just you alone with your thoughts you get to step back breathe and enjoy yourself for a little bit however uh-huh. you get to bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you to make sure you don't go completely insane bonkers on that island what is that one piece you bring with you i have a question go to answer it. your question is it something that I already own, or can it be, like, anything? It can be anything. I would probably bring... Um, let me see. I'd probably bring, like, the the Cowboy Bebop uh, concept art book that I've, like, had in my eBay cart for the past, like, five months. <laughs> <laughs> like, this oversized book that has, like, model sheets and... And character expressions and keyframes and like I've wanted it for so long, but I've been broker than broke and have been I, able to purchase it. <laughs> I one, I don't blame you. I understand it's hard out here sometimes. <laughs> Secondly, I'm also not surprised by that answer, considering the fact your name, your profile picture right now, just your whole aesthetic as a whole. <laughs> so yeah, that honestly makes a lot of sense. I I just know that like, especially kind of the the what was it the process that kind of went into making that show or whatnot like there must be just like a gold mine of information in that book yeah for sure like just the whole development of that show is just so funny how it's supposed to be like toys and then they're like this is not what we wanted <laughs> bondi just be like we don't what is this and then they're like you know what goodbye and then they're like hey do you want to keep making the show and they're like yeah we're gonna make more of the show forget it <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize it started off as toys that was the one thing i didn't yeah, so Bandai had like a line of spaceship toys, oh. and they uh, went to Wantanabe and they're like, "Yo, do you want to like make a show based off of these toys?" And he's like, "Sure." And then he made Bebop, and they're like, "This is not what we wanted, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's it was it's a good show." 
You know what? That is a... <laughs> you learn something new every day. How about that? Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, that's the answer. You're locking it in. The Cowboy Bebop art book. Yes. Yes, indeed. Then if that's the case, I can't think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Raglan. Uh, feel free to subscribe or follow whatever streaming platform you prefer. I'm a part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com for more about this podcast and other outstanding ones in the network. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> she is a cool animated cat VTubing on Twitch with art that ranges from sleek and stylish, like her inspirations, to unique, also like some of her inspirations. Welcome to the podcast, Kay Bebop! Hello, you have so much energy. <laughs> I gotta bring something with these interviews, you know? <laughs> that was totally valid. I'm I'm just too tired and bitter to have that much energy all the time. I don't um, blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> but before you go back to that bitter self that you've been in, I want to go back just a little bit, if I may. I want to know more or less sure. the origin stories of Kay. What got you interested in art and animation in the first place? um damn let's see so ever since like i was like a kid like every i remember um i'm gonna like hold on <laughs> so in high school i um attended this like art program um where like they took a bunch of high school kids and like took them around the city every couple months mm -hmm. and i met this guy i don't remember his name but um he had a book called draw anything something like that his last name is hendrix i can't remember his name um but he basically said whenever somebody asks you like oh when did you start drawing it's not that's not the right question the question is when like why did you stop you know because every like when you're a kid like everybody's drawing like when you're in kindergarten like you don't you, you start off with crayons and stuff and then the people who become artists are the ones who just keep using crayons right um so, like, I've been drawing my whole life, mm -hmm. but I took it seriously in the sixth grade when my friends saw me doodling in a, a sketchbook, and they're like, yo, there's this manga competition at a library by my house. You should join, because you're, like, the one drawer I know. And I was like, cool, I'll do it. My dad, he took... I, like, did weeks of research. I watched all of Mark Curley's, um <laughs> uh, YouTube tutorials at the time, which, what, like, this was, like, before he even breached maybe, like... I don't know, 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Like, oh, wow. I was there. I I was there. <laughs> you were no G. From the, from the beginning, <laughs> I watched all of his content. I watched every bit of content on YouTube on how to draw and how to get good. And then, like, my dad took me to one meeting, and then he got bored. He's like, I know, I really don't want to come back to this, like, area anymore. We're, you're just not going back there. Because it was just, like, when I went, it was just me and some other kid. And nobody else, he was like, yeah, I don't feel comfortable with this. <laughs> so, but then, like, I didn't stop drawing. I'm not going to, you know, have all that information go to waste. Right. Um, so, by the eighth grade, um, this is something that you didn't find in your research. I made a DeviantArt account, and it still exists. Nintendo Fan 1293, and it has maybe about, like, four months worth of uh, art from when I was 13 years old, and it shows. It's all, it's all like, edgy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and anime-inspired. Um, and I, I, pr I pray that DeviantArt never deletes that account, because I just want to keep that up as a reminder of where I came from. Um, it's a good foundation. 
It's a very good foundation. It's, it's hilarious. Um, then after that, um, I applied to high schools. I wanted to go. So I'm in, I'm in New York. I'm in NYC. I wanted to go to art and design okay. because they specifically had like a cartooning program, but they also had an animation program. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a cartoonist before I went to be an animator. Um, but then I ended up applying to, uh, I ended up going to LaGuardia High School, Fiero LaGuardia, um, which is mainly known for the drama department because a lot of alumni who graduated from that school became really famous people. You know, like Timothy Chalamet, Ansel Elgort, Nicki Minaj, all these people, all these crazy people have graduated from that high school. Right. Um, so it has like a reputation. And my dad was like, you're going to go there. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't want to, but Okay. So I went to that school for art, um, and I was surrounded by a lot of really cool people. In my second year, um, my art teacher, she had it. We were in like the the computer lab, which wasn't normal because typically in second year um, at that high school, you would be doing like a drawing course where we were in the lab, and she taught us how to animate in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, why would I want to make cart like comics when I can make them move? I feel like that's way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> so I um, I just stuck with animation from there. I discovered SVA, and I had like every bit of SVA content that they gave out at like the open houses or when they like left catalogs in the art rooms because they would stop by sometimes. Sometimes professors would teach like after school pro- uh, programs there, and like I like had like a, I was a SVA fangirl, and then um. Uh, Steven Universe came out, so then like SVA became like got like uh, students nicknamed it a uh, Steven University, which is really funny. Um, but now everybody knows that like Dana Terrace and Vivzy Pop also graduated from SVA, so they want to go there for that too. Um, and then I went to SVA, and I just graduated last year, hey. and since then I've been working freelance and doing reanimation projects, and that's that is my full character arc, my whole anime <laughs> backstory. I was going to say, like, the parts before even high school loan. I'm pretty sure that's a good, like, season one of whatever OVA we're trying to make out of this. Um. <laughs> I feel like I feel like my my story would be, like, Monster, how, like, all this crap happens in the first four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good point, but still, nevertheless. I, I, I want to go back just a little bit in that little origin story. I know there was a lot of points that he, like, indicated or whatnot, but... Whether right. it be Hendrix or whether it be watching the the one YouTuber that you were talking about, for you, when did it go from just like this genuine like love you had for it to a passion then wanting to make it your career? Um, well, that's the thing, because like I'm really good at math, mm-hmm. and ever since I was like a kid, like when I was like five, like I went, I was like I want to be a scientist when I grow up, and I would draw myself, I I would draw myself. Um, in like a Dexter's Lab situation. There you go. But like, instead of it being like nice and blue, it would be like a hodgepodge of using every single color in my 64 pack of Crayola Crayons. Um, with the pencil sharpener in the back. Hey. Um, <laughs> yeah, fancy. But, <laughs> every year I got another box of those because I would like go through them. But like, I've been drawing my whole life and like, I, I'm, I wasn't, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't good. But like, I was good in comparison to the people around me and the people around me were guessing me up like yo you should be an artist but um there were two moments in my life that made me realize that i wanted to do this as a career one in um middle school 
my math teacher, who I'm still in contact with to to this day, he really encouraged me to like make art more than my more than my own parents, which was really funny. But like he he like encouraged me to make art. Like I made um uh I made him like a, a rage comic poster which has not aged well because he keeps it up to he has it he keeps it up in his room to this day yeah you remember the why you know guy like yeah. why you know do like it that it's that <laughs> and it's on it's in his room to this day and i'm pretty sure that is like older than most of the kids in the room <laughs> like they don't even know what the hell that thing is probably um <laughs> And like he encouraged me with covered uh, write comics in his class. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I'm lying to you. I'm lying to you. In elementary school, me and my best friend, who I'm still friends with to this day, uh, in the fourth grade, uh, fourth and fifth grade, we had like a group of, of guys and then one girl, me, and we all made comics. And by making comics, I mean we took I took paper out of my dad's printer, like force it to fold like i took like 40 pieces of paper and force it to fold and then broke my grandmother's stapler trying to staple the 80 sheets of paper together (laughs) and then we would we would draw a cover Mm -hmm. and then be like this is what the comic is and then we would put like self inserts and like just pass the same book to each other until it was finished we only finished one (laughs) (laughs) i mean so that's 80 pages that's impressive It was always cool, like seeing like what the next guy did. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was called Cool Guy, and like I was like, I want to do this. I want to be a I want to be a comic artist. So then, next after that would be the animation thing in high school, and then the last moment that made me realize what I wanted to do um, in my senior year of high school. In like the beginning, I was talking with somebody who I don't talk to anymore, mm-hmm. but she she was like she looked me square in my face. She said, Kiana. If you don't do anything with art, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> and I was like, cool. And to this day, I think about that sometimes. Like, if I don't, <laughs> if I don't do art, she will find me. She will kick my ass. <laughs> so it's just a threat. I'm just running on a threat. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I mean, to be fair, seeing where you are right now, I would be surprised if you stopped art anytime soon. I mean, <laughs> so I think your ass is safe, to say the least. Um, I mean, you certainly gone definitely head first when it comes to this art stuff, not just going past, you know, elementary school, you know, high school and all that stuff like that. But as you hit that a little bit, uh, SVA school, visual arts and such, what was that, yeah. what was that experience like for you being at that university? Cause I, don't, I can imagine like being there and being like full, like all in with the stuff that you just absolutely love and want to be a part with may have been like a changing experience in one aspect for another. To be very, very honest, it was a mixed experience. Okay. Um, I looking back on it, I'm like, I kind of a little bit, just a little bit, regret it. Mm-hmm. If I was just like a year later, um, I probably would have had a much better experience than I did because um, a lot of changes happened the year I graduated, yeah. and now like all these crazy things are happening. Uh, for the underclassmen, like they're getting paid internships with a company that I didn't get paid to to work for, uh. or they're getting like really, they're getting like more uh, modern professors right. that are teaching based off of their like direct experience into the industry. Um, it's just like it's 
it's a great school and it's gotten better, but not in a way where I could have reaped the benefits from it. Um, which is fine. Like it's great for the people who are currently there. I also graduated, not to date the the podcast, but like you know, like in the middle of a pandemic. Didn't um, help. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it actually helped me specifically, but I know other people didn't didn't like it because I don't like the commute. I didn't because I live in New York. Like I don't need to dorm, but like I still have to commute and I had like a whole setup at home. And whenever I would like go to school, all the keyboard shortcuts would be messed up or, you know, certain settings would be messed up. But like in my own house, like I don't have to worry about shortcuts or making sure that like my files are uh untampered with or something like all my stuff is here so i definitely like would i probably wouldn't have finished my thesis film if, if that wasn't in the pandemic because i was able to work on my thesis film during classes because it was all on zoom which is really funny <laughs> um but yeah sva i think as like a i always tell people like look um you don't need to go to art school they don't train you for the industry the only way to be trained for the industry is to kind of be thrown into it right um and yeah like i only learned how to use adobe animate because i was in that internship and i need to learn it on the fly um but as far as like actually training you and helping you build a portfolio it's really not like that unless they change something in the next couple of years like honestly i always tell people like you should go to uh the guy who created kipo he has like a whole website just dedicated to artists in the industry teaching people directly on how to do storyboarding or how to draw for story. It's, it's mainly storyboarding, but like there's so many other resources out there that are way cheaper. Right. And like you won't feel like you wasted your time because you don't have to take, you know, um, what you call it? What's, what's, the, what's the terms? Not superlatives. Uh, the, um, I'm not going to like a reading class and a writing class. Yeah, the, the core, class, core curriculum. Yeah, core curriculums. Like, instead of you, you go to art school. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, those classes are cool because I took a really cool um, class about, like, income inequality, and that teacher was really dope. But I'm also, like, an art student. <laughs> I'm an animator. Right. I had to, like, email my teachers, like, look, I'm working on my thesis. I will not be turning in a work for your class for, like, the next couple of weeks. Just an FYI. <laughs> because that's it's like a lot of workload yeah but yeah that that's my experience i mean nevertheless it sounds like at the very least an interesting experience and like you said it was a mixed bag trust me uh i went to a university to where i think it was after my sophomore year i want to say the program that i was in because i was in mass (laughs) media so like tv film all that jazz or whatnot um Uh they they changed the entire curriculum because it used to be it's like you start off with some of the basic stuff and then you focus on a particular area of mass media and that's what you go out into the field but instead they changed it to where you're supposed to be basically a jack of all trades but a master of none you know Mm. which i mean i I understand in some aspects but like for others it's like come on (laughs) you know that's so weird because it's like the the jack of all trades thing i'm not sure what the hell the industry wants to yeah because <laughs> like because like i always hear like oh you should be good at one thing and really work really hard on that one thing if you want to be a background designer work really hard on being a background designer and then you get a position as a background designer which is cool yeah. but then also i hear oh if you know how to do more things you'll stay on a project longer 
So it's like, what what do you want? <laughs> what is it? Is it is it? <laughs> do you want me to be good at one thing or be good at all the things? Because right. I want to I want to be employed. And I want to stay employed. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, all they just want is able bodies. If you could do it, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. honestly, but. I will say, as part of your little description of your experience, I'm glad you did bring up one thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit, and that was your thesis film, Love. Now, I only saw the trailer of it, but for those who might be curious, what was that film about, and what was the inspiration behind it? Loan? Or Love, I think. I think was, or Loan. Loan, yeah. You... Oh, wow. <laughs> I should have called it Love. No. <laughs> it was... I, I hate that film. It. Oh, really? um <laughs> Yeah. That's why I haven't released it. Um... Loan is my thesis film. It is about a woman named Robin, if I remember correctly, who is stranded on a plant alien planet and she dies at the end. Spoiler alert. Oh, well. Um and like and like that uh cut to black, it's heavily implied that she died kind of way. Um I don't know why I made that film. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to make that film. I hate every aspect about that film that my hands... No, you're laughing. My, <laughs> I hate every aspect about that film except for all the cool things that all the wonderful people that helped me right. uh, did. Um, I still have the Discord. I... I I'm going to like give like a shout-out to the, like uh, Charles, uh, who's working on his thesis film... Uh, Keely, amazing backgrounds. Priya, amazing backgrounds. Uh, Cass, amazing backgrounds. Uh, amazing. <laughs> but everything that I did, I look back on it and I'm like, this is terrible. I'm never releasing this. Nobody will ever see this ever again. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, but, to be fair, the reason why I laugh is because, again, I went to film school. I know exactly how you feel because I've been to at least <laughs> one or two films exactly like that. To where it's like, why did I make this? Uh. <laughs> it was so it was like edgy like it was like an edgy film like she's she's struggling and she's crying and she's in the middle of nowhere and she's by herself and i guess you could say it was like a, a metaphor for the pandemic and i'm just like like i i just i don't want to see that film ever again i hate that film <laughs> you know but what that's fair I, I learned a lot though i'm not gonna say that you know all those lost and i also had the the wonderful opportunity to um have my thesis advisor be Luz Batista, who is or was um a storyboard artist on the Owl House. Mm. Um really good people. She was really she was really, really cool. She also graduated from SVA and she she was really cool. Um and I learned a lot from her with storyboarding. It was because of her that I realized I don't want to be a storyboard artist. <laughs> because I didn't realize how much work went into being a storyboard artist. Right. Um because she was like, I was like, yeah, here on my board. She's like, yeah, well, uh, your perspective uh, isn't real. Like, it, it, this is this perspective doesn't exist. Um, you need to do layouts. I don't do backgrounds. Um, you need to understand the com uh, composition. You, you use the same kind of shot like eight times. <laughs> like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Just let me animate. <laughs> That also, I'm glad you said that because that also leads me to more or less like my next question. Like you said, you know, you just love the animation aspect of animation. What is it about that that just gets you like creatively like fulfilled more than anything else? Just making it move. There you go. <laughs> like to me, just making it move. Uh, nothing, nothing is more satisfying than like hitting the play button and it working. Uh, after like I've been staring at the screen and my eyes feel like they're gonna bleed. Um, and it's four o'clock in the morning and I press play and it works. Um, yeah, that's the main catharsis I get out of it. Also, the clout. 
<laughs> when, whenever whenever I post an animation on Twitter, I'm guaranteed an extra hundred followers. So, <laughs> I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt whether it is your own animation for something as cool as I know the most recent one you've been doing that I absolutely love is the one of your character the, the doing the little like yo the. Like the, the spike wink. thing. Yeah, the spike thing, exactly. <laughs> I absolutely love that one. Whether it be that or the reanimation projects that you've had a hand in. Um, mm -hmm. as, as I did my research, again, I could be very wrong, but it's anywhere between six to at least more than ten. Last I checked. I could be also very wrong on that. But what is it? It's very more than ten. <laughs> very, more... <laughs> very much so more than ten. Okay, wonderful to hear that. Um, but nevertheless, like, what is it about reanimation projects that get you on board just every single time? Just the opportunity to animate more? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the money. It's about the money. Um, it, it's about the money, Spider-Man. It's, it's not always um, about the money, Kay. It's always about the money. <laughs> um, no, but reanimation projects are really cool. In the beginning, and I, I got a lot of flack for it in the beginning, because, like, the first couple, I tried to emulate the style as closely as possible, and people like, oh, she traced it. And I'm like, no, I didn't trace it, but I did try to make it look on model. And um, I know, like, the point of reanimation project is to, you know, be unique and showcase uh, something different and not make it again. But I did that on purpose, and it worked in my favor. Because, like, I wanted to learn how the show... It's, it's like doing a master copy, right. right? Like, where you literally, like, copy somebody's work just to understand their process. Mm -hmm. um, and when I put it in my portfolio, I actually got, like, two jobs. They're like, oh, we see that you know how to draw this way. There we go. Here's... Boom, boom, boom. You're, you're on this project now. And I'm like, cool. Thank you. <laughs> but now, like, because I've had that experience, I can come back and animate however i want like on the amphibia one mm -hmm. um which has actually gotten pretty popular i'm surprised um <laughs> it's amphibia. But... i don't know what you <laughs> i mean <laughs> <laughs> so true so true but like i don't know the youtube algorithm was not very kind to my original account um and then now with this new account it uh it's like already surpassed what the old one was um but yeah as of right now I am in, according to the folders in my thing, I am in 26 reanimates. Uh, <laughs> I finished nine. Um, or nine scenes. Right. Um, the ones that I finished are... I did Amphibia, I did Bee and Puppy Cat, I did Gravity Falls, which had, uh, that one has yet to release. Uh, I'm Just Your Problem from Adventure Time, which released. There's a My Life as a Teenage Robot one. I'm not even really going to count that one, because my scene was probably like a second. Um, the Neon Genesis Evangelion opening, mm -hmm. uh, the Sonic Saturday morning cartoon, Spongebob movie, and uh, it hasn't been released yet, so I can't like show it, but um, I'm not sure if you remember at San Diego Comic-Con, I think last year, uh, the Owl House and Amphibia did like a table read. Right. So a bunch of animators got together and like they wanted to create, like animate it. Right. Um, so I have a second scene to do okay. for that one. But I finished one. 
I mean, even then, like just the amount of projects that you listed right there, I don't know if you, you probably look at your folders, but I literally fell back hearing 26 reanimation projects. Goodness. <laughs> I admire your dedication more than anything else to want to be involved with each and every single one. <laughs> yeah. They're fun. They're fun. Yeah. It's also fun to flex on people. Just be like, yeah, I'm an, I'm an animator. <laughs> I, I do this for a living. <laughs> there you go. I mean, to be fair, I've known several people that have been part of reanimation projects in one aspect for another. I know a friend we both share that we talked about earlier, uh, Roya, was in charge yeah. of the Kirby, you know, Kirby reanimated. Yeah. So, like, I know how much love and support goes behind all these reanimation projects, but, like, goodness, yeah. like, you seem to be, like, try, you're, you're trying to be like Thanos with the like Infinity Gauntlet, except that there's like a hundred yeah. gems instead of just the five. <laughs> I look like the kids in uh in Infinity Train, there but instead go. of it being like I don't know what the number represents exactly, but it mine represent how many reanimation projects I'm in. And the funny thing is, um, some of these I don't find; they find me. Mm. They're like, oh, we saw you. We were in the the SpongeBob reanimate. We really liked your scene. You want to join ours? Um, the Amphibia one. I joined because, like, I saw people, I think Chirpy on Twitter, they're a really big Amphibia fan, and they did a scene, I wanted to be a part of it, but at the time, all the scenes were filled. So then, like, I was like, you know what, forget it, I'm gonna message the person, see if I can get a part of that project, because I really want to do it. Right. And they were like, yeah, this one scene is what's left, um, can you get it done in two weeks? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and I got it done, it's in the project, you know. Um... So sometimes, like, I'm, like, the last resort person. Same with the Bee and Puppy Cat one, but I was in the middle of a move. Oh. Um, so thank thankfully, the host of the Bee and Puppy Cat reanimate was really nice, and they were like, yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, like, I just moved. Can I get, like, an extra couple weeks <laughs> to do it? And they're like, yes, of course. I completely understand. Um, and it got done on time, and it released, and that did pretty well. Um, but yeah, reanimates are fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, one, the one that I'm working on now, or ones... Um, is the, uh, there's an Owl House reanimate that I'm helping host, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty cool. And I don't, I, we're trying to shoot for June, but I doubt it'll be done by June. And that's why I set the due date for June. <laughs> so that way, cause we want to release it, um, on the anniversary of the Owl Houses in January. Right. So hopefully, hopefully next this, this year it'll get done. Um, but yeah. That's my experience with reanimates. <laughs> I, I was gonna say I know what was it my uh, my producer Tipsy J Hearts. Uh, she's actually currently involved with the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy reanimated one that they are doing. Mm. So again, seeing all these different reanimation projects, it, it's just absolutely incredible. And I know, like, especially for each and every single one of these cartoons that you probably had a hand in, there's at least some form of love and passion behind every single one. That's why you want to be involved with it. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been approached to do like a Ren and Stimpy one, um, and I've declined it because I I just don't like like I'm, all the ones that I I'm in are a part of things that I enjoy. I'm not gonna just join a reanimation project just because it exists. Right. Um, like. There's definitely like a handful that I don't, I, I just don't want to do. Um, not to say that like you know if, if you're in it like, you know that's a bad thing, but it's just not for me. Um, excuse me, but yeah. I was going to say, I guess what's even cooler about it is, like you said before, like you being a part of these reanimation projects has gotten you some incredible animation, like opportunities as well, but like being a freelance animator as well. Yeah, it definitely helps beef up my reel. 
That was like the goal. My goal was to do a bunch of reanimation projects so I had a reel that wasn't just like the bouncing ball on a walk cycle. Right. Um, Because like every studio has seen those a million times over. But, you know, I I think that like a reanimation project is helpful, especially because like it shows that not only can I animate, but I can do a background if like absolutely necessary. And I can composite. I can clean up my work. Um. It's funny, the Sonic reanimate that I did was the first time I ever cleaned up my animation. Really? Uh, yeah, I hate doing cleanup. I still hate doing cleanup. But, <laughs> but, but here I am doing lackadaisy cleanup. So. Hey, there you go. It, it, all, it all comes comes full circle for me. <laughs> exactly. Now, the only way it could come a little bit more full circle is if there's eventually a reanimation project. There might be one out there already, and you might be a part of it for all I know. But if there's a reanimation project for quite possibly, I'm assuming, one of your biggest inspirations, that's Cowboy Bebop. I thought about hosting it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like myself. Like, I thought of, like, doing a Cowboy Bebop reanimation project. Um, if it exists, please contact me. Yes. But <laughs> if it doesn't, I definitely, like, considered it. Specifically... Um, the one with Cowboy Andy, Cowboy Funk. That's my favorite episode. Everybody's like, oh, Toys in the Attic. No, I like Cowboy Funk. That's my favorite episode. Um, <laughs> I would totally host a reanimate for that. How did you first become aware of the series in the first place, and why does it hold a special place in your heart? In my senior year of high school, um, a friend of mine, uh, his name is Brian, he... he would always, we would always joke about, like, um, because I was just getting into anime again, mm-hmm. um, and he like mentioned Cowboy Bebop, and I was like, "What the hell is that? It sounds weird." <laughs> he was like, "No, it's not. It's really good. It's about like a found family." And I was like, "Oh, cool." He's like, "Yeah, I know you like Star Trek and space and stuff. Like, you should totally watch it." And I was like, "Cool, I'll give it a shot." And I watched a couple episodes. And I'm like, "Wow, this is great!" And then I didn't watch it for a year. <laughs> I've I um I think I just finished on the Cowboy Andy uh, episode. And then the episode right after that is the one with uh, the the guy who like shoot what, what's his name Pierre Lafau something like that. <laughs> but you but you know what I'm talking about like he and I was like what the fuck is this show like what's going on? <laughs> but then I watched it all the way through and I fell in love with it. And then like the 20th anniversary came around and I watched it in theaters, um, which was really was a really big treat. And then um, I ended up meeting uh, Steve Blum at Comic-Con. And I actually have a, uh, I drew a picture of Spike, and I still have it somewhere. It's in a frame um, that he signed, which was really cool. That has to be surreal more than anything else. Like, especially the fact that, again, you, like, it was only your senior year of high school where you really got involved with this. And now it's basically, like, a part of you. Everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm, like, looking, I have, like, a, uh, a swordfish uh, figurine. I have a face ship. I have a uh, what you call the the build kit. I have a bunch of posters I'm looking at. I have a little plush. I have a figurine. I, I just love collecting. <laughs> I, I will be 100% honest with you, and you might hate me for saying this, but I've watched a few episodes, and it's one of those, like, I need to, like, sit down and actually watch the entirety of it, because what I have seen mm-hmm. before, because I used to be one of those where, like, I used to stay up late watching Toonami, whatever comes on, and Cowboy Bebop was one of those shows that, like, always grabbed my attention, but I just need to sit down and just watch the entirety of the series, like, straight up, because, mm-hmm. again, it always got my attention, but I just, again, I just never had the opportunity to just, or I never taken the opportunity to sit down and just watch it. Yeah, that's totally valid. Like, it's definitely, like, 
a show that you should sit and watch. Um, but it's definitely like impacted me a lot because a lot of my music has been, you know, like <laughs> there's always like that meme I've seen where it's like, uh, I realize I hate jazz. I just like cowboy beef, <laughs> but I actually, I've actually like grown. My music taste has grown because of cowboy bebop because I had like an appreciation for jazz. Because my high school um, was also a uh, performing arts high school, and we had a jazz band. And uh, my partner at the time uh, was a musician in said jazz band, and like I also got a lot of exposure of that through him, um, and. Like, just Bebop helped me develop that appreciation. It developed an appreciation for animation. Um, I, I really like this. Sh- I just really like it. Uh, if people don't like it, that's, that's, I, I apologize that you have bad taste. But, <laughs> um, well, but I don't, I don't hate you. <laughs> let's, let's hope that the only reason why they don't like it is because they watched the live action version and not the animated version. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I don't absolutely abhor the live action version um i am one of the few people that like says it's all right it's not terrible but i I don't love it (laughs) i I was gonna say but like i said it's when i was like you've also watched the animated series beforehand and you enjoyed it for someone that probably never watched the series and then watched the live action one probably not a good exposure for them i've also seen people like genuinely enjoy it though um that have not watched the original uh which whatever <laughs> that's, on, that's on you um but i was like the one person in the in the corner of netflix like give it a chance guys because <laughs> every time i opened up twitter everybody had something to it's, say it's one of those i was more than willing to like at least give it another season but then netflix was like yeah no screw that i was actually relieved because i'm like i don't have to deal with people in my dms sending me that <laughs> Everybody, everybody I knew was sending me the, a DM of just uh, the picture of Ed screaming Spike Spiegel. And I'm like, if you send me this again, I'm going to block you. <laughs> I couldn't take it. For two whole weeks, I had people sending me that damn picture. There you go. <laughs> I know you already said, like, you're basically your favorite episode. But do you also have a personal, like, favorite moment of the entire series? Um, favorite moment? Because hmm. there's, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, I love the, I love like the, the reaction images you can get out of, um, the show. Mm-hmm. I specifically the, the one where Spike has like the big black, uh, purple puffer jacket and he's like, do you, want, you think I look like I got money? <laughs> that one's funny. Um, I love, there's like a picture, the one where he's like cracking an egg and he's hung over and he's looking down at his lab and he has like that face. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny. Um, the manga has a lot of really funny uh, expressions. I bet. Um, I haven't read Shooting Star, and I don't want to because I think the art style doesn't fit the bebop I enjoy. But like, there's the, another cowboy bebop manga, and I read that, and it's pretty good. That's what I thought the Netflix series was gonna do. I'm like, oh, are they gonna bring the manga into this? And it's like, no, they didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. I was gonna say, I know for me, the few, out of the few episodes I have watched, my personal favorite one is always the one where they're just basically on shrooms and high, like essentially. For that, Mushroom Samba? Yeah, yeah that's a good one. That was a great episode. Um, also, what was the other one? The one, I don't remember, I only remember like the little end bit to where it's like they're struggling to like watch this basically VHS because it's like a Betamax video or something along the lines mm. of that. And like it turns out to be, uh, what was it? 
Faith. Yeah, yeah. When like, she was yeah. a kid, yeah. That one always like stuck with me. Just kind of like how interesting of a different perspective it gave for those, especially of Faye, so Mm, which is funny because she's my least favorite character. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is I don't like about Faye, but I don't hate her, right. but she's definitely like my least favorite on the Bebop crew. I Spike mean, is obviously my favorite. I was going to say, I mean, when you have Spike, it's one of those, like, it's hard to really, like, stack up to him, I mean. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's one of those, you've had all these, like, incredible opportunities and obviously a lot of great inspirations. Um, I know another, well... I forgot to also say, when it comes to like some of the art that you've created, especially when it comes to Cowboy Bebop, I've seen a lot of incredible fan art, but I know my personal favorite piece that tops all of them is the King of the Hill crossover with Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> <laughs> How can I not love that piece? What inspired you to be like, I've got to make this? Um, when I was working on my thesis, I watched two shows the, to completion. And that was Cowboy Bebop and The Sopranos. Oh, okay. Um, not Cowboy Bebop. King of the Hill. King of the Hill. And The Sopranos. Um, I love King of the Hill. I was going to say... Cowboy Bebop, King of the Hill, and Yu Yu Hakusho are my three favorite, like, cartoons of all time. Um, like, yeah, I love Amphibia. Yeah, I love The Owl House. But those three are, like, in my pocket, in my back pocket. Um, forever and always. I actually have, like, a pin board dedicated to Cowboy Bebop... King of the Hill, and you have a good That's fair. And I, one of, an artist who actually ended up becoming a mutual on Twitter, which is really cool, is a Steve Yurko. Mm -hmm. And he, I'm looking at it right now, he did a print of King of the Hill crossed with Sailor Moon. Uh. <laughs> and I, I, did, I did one earlier than the Cowboy Bebop one. I did one where it was Naruto. Mm. And then Cowboy Bebop, um, which got pretty popular. But I also know that people like to steal art. Right. <laughs> so I like I like butchered it by like putting an ugly watermark over it. But now I feel special because my uh, de desktop background is the clean version. Um, but yeah, I, I, I put a lot of thought into who I made who. Yep. Um, so in the picture, I made um, Hank Jet because he is like the dad of the group so it makes sense right i made dale um spike because according to the show he's a licensed bounty hunter um and it makes sense he's like the linky one too so it makes sense um i made uh what is her name i, I, I forgot her name i know who the, you're talking about but yeah <laughs> I remember wait, i'm gonna pull up the, i made bobby ed there you go. Because they have like that same spunky um energy. Like energy. Very uh non gender conforming energy too. Because he he can do like a lot of weird like he does like a lot of crazy things that like Hank is just like, I I'm not a fan of this. <laughs> but <laughs> but like I feel like they have that same vibe and people always thought it was kinda of funny how I made them. Um let me see. I made them that character, and then obviously Lady Bird has to be um, Ayn, because yep. they're both dogs. Mm -hmm. um, I made Khan's wife, I can't remember her name, but I made Khan's wife Faye, because she and Dale in the King of the Hill show are good friends, and they both, uh, she like joined a country club where she like shoots, uh, she like shoots uh, discs for the club, mm -hmm. 
um, and she's really good. And she joins Dale's like gun club, and they become good friends through that. So I was like, it would make sense for her instead of Peggy. But yeah, I do, I do love both of those shows very, very much. I know. Um, I was gonna say, and I, they got me through pieces. There you go. I was gonna say, I know you especially uh, got a lot more excited with the King of the Hill now that the reboot has been announced, and you're like, let me be a part of that show. <laughs> I, I went the extra mile and I went on LinkedIn as soon as I saw that and I like tracked down the production studio behind it and there's only two people on LinkedIn who like have roles with that company and I like bo- sent them both a connection request <laughs> it's like go. just in case you know I, I would say to be fair the way you went about that was the same kind of way that I went about for one of my guests I had a while back. Um, so like you said that like, you know, you love Cowboy Bebop and you love King of the Hill and like, yes, there's all these incredible good shows, but those are always going to be like a special place in your heart and all that stuff. For me, Mm -hmm. for me, I have a show that's like that as well. It's a show called class of 3000. Does this one even remotely ring a bell? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to (laughs) say Like, that was, like, my absolute favorite, like, Andre 3000 show and stuff like that. So, when I was getting the podcast, like, first starting up, I decided to look at the credits to see who was involved with that show because I wanted to know what the experience was like on that show. And I found the, mm-hmm. I found the director of the entirety of the show, Joe Horn, who has also had experience with, like, the Boondocks, the original Sonic the Hedgehog, Saturday Morning Cartoon, uh, Teenage wow. Ninja Turtles, like, experience with that stuff. Found him on LinkedIn. And it just, the rest is history. <laughs> That's what's up. That's really cool. Yes. it's um, really cool. I was going to say, that was still an interview that I hold dear to my heart, but uh, my heart. Um, but nevertheless, like I said, like, especially, you know, with all these incredible, like, opportunities you've been getting or whatnot, um, especially with the animation stuff, there's also, like, other stuff you've had opportunities with. And there's one in particular I wanted to ask about, because I saw it, I'm like, there's no way you got to be involved with this. Did you do the cover mm. for Hobo Johnson's The Rever- the Revenge of Hobo Johnson? Yes, I did. How did that opportunity yes, even come to you? Um, I've been a Hobo Johnson fan since uh, Peach Scone came out. I was, like, in a really bad place. Mm. Like I said, my former partner from high school, I recently broke up with him after, like, going on and off for a, couple, for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I was in a really low spot. Um, and I stumbled across his uh, song on Facebook. And after that, like, I really got into it. And I know that, like, not many people are into Hobo Johnson. That's totally fine. Right. I, I tell myself all the time, like, if I wasn't in that spot, I probably would have been like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but I was in a spot, and it hit it hit the right nerves. Um, and it definitely made me be like, you know what? I really like this guy. I really like his content. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward um, a couple months or a year, maybe. No, a couple months after that, he had a tour. And he was going to be in New York. And that specific show sold out. And I was like, man, it really sucks that they sold out that show. But I made fan art of them. And Jordan, who is one of the lovemakers, he saw my work. He was like, oh, this is really good. Do you want us to put you on the guest list? And I was like, yeah, I would like to be put on the guest list, please. And thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I showed up at 8 o'clock in the morning. Hey. <laughs> there was a small group of people who were there and we all you know got really friendly with one another while waiting for the doors to open and we also watched the tour bus come up we met frank he was really cool um i shook his hand i was like hey i'm the yankee artist which was my former username before uh kiana bebop then k bebop mm-hmm. um and he's like oh that was you he's like i thought you were a dude <laughs> <laughs> 
And he's like, he's like, the way you draw, I thought you were a guy. And I was like, you know what? That's fair, I guess. <laughs> um, and then, like, one by one, I started to meet the members of the group. And um, we were talking with them. And they're like, oh, like, every time they reacted, like, oh, you were the person who drew that? And I was like, yes, I am. And they started talking to me about art. And then I asked uh, Frank, I was like, yo, if you ever need an album cover done, let me know. I'll be more than happy to do it. Because he said that he wanted to have each cover done by an artist right. that, like, he could work with. The first two, I think, were done locally. Okay. Um, but then there was me, right? Um, so fast forward again to the next time they come to New York. Um, this time, I want to say it was at probably one of the worst venues I've ever been to, Brooklyn Steel. Um because it was it snowed (laughs) and that was like a day where it was supposed to be 60 degrees and it snowed Mm. and not only did it snow but it snowed like a good six inches on the people waiting and i was wearing like a light jacket and sneakers (laughs) i almost died of frostbite oh no Um, it was it was terrible um but i bumped into him then and um, I started to be like, I started to get really cool. I was cool with, uh, his crew, uh, like the, the stage handler and his, his social media people. Like they all, all of them know me and I know them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that venue came and went, uh, I was going through a really tough time. Uh, his crew handler came over. He's like, yo, here. And he gave me like 30 bucks. And I was like, wow. And I all started crying no. <laughs> because he knew that I was in a really tight spot. Um, so then, fast forward again to now the fall of Hobo Johnson dropped, um, and he performed a song at the previous concert, and I was like, "Oh, this would look good, really. Uh, this would look really good animated." Mm-hmm. I, I like I told him like I imagine like a schoolhouse rock kind of vibe for this specific song, and then he was like, "Oh yeah, totally. Like we could work something out." We talked for like a little bit, and then he kind of like got busy with other things. And so did I, because I had school. Right. Um, and he thought that, like, animation could just be done, in, like, you know, good animation could be done in, you know, no time. Um, so then he comes to New York again for, like, a YouTube thing, and they let me in through the back. Like, they're like, yo, come meet us behind this building, and then we're all going to go up together. And they're like, yeah, pretend like you're with us. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so we go to the green room, and we're chilling. And then we go get some snacks and he shows uh, like his latest album. And then the next day, the animation is revealed for the exact song I said should be animated. And it was not good. Oh. And I told him that to his face at the next concert. And I was like, yo, <laughs> what? I was like, what? Everybody that knew knew me was like, yo, what the fuck was that? <laughs> what was that? You could have had her do it. Even his crew manager was like, yo, like you have a fan who would be more than happy to do that. For right. You. <laughs> Um, he told me it was done in seven days, and I was like, "Yeah, it looks like it was done in seven days, Frank." <laughs> <laughs> looks like it could be done in seven hours, okay? <laughs> so after that, um, it's now May, and I'm just like wrapping up my thesis, and I get a text from Derek, who is another person in the band, and Derek was like, "Hey, we need an album cover," and I was like, "When do you need it?" <laughs> I did something and they're like, I went through a couple emails back and forth. I had the opportunity to make an album and they also hired me to make a music video, oh, but they never released it. 
but they still paid me a pretty penny hey. to do both, which was really cool. Um, and I did the, like, remember, I just finished my thesis, and then I, I did this whole film and, like, uh, this whole uh, music video in a month. <laughs> and <the> only- <laughs> So I was just extra burnt out, but I got a good paycheck out of it, so... Um, but that was really dope. And I also, um, I'm not sure, I, I'm not sure if you're a Hobo Johnson fan, but when they went on tour last year, um, I also did the drum cover for them too. Right. Right. I saw uh, that as well. I mean, that was yeah. nice. like, it's, it's incredible. First off, I did not expect that incredible of a story leading up to how you got that, <laughs> but I absolutely love it. I mean, the fact that, you know, again, you said yourself, like Hobo basically helped you out of whatever, like like they were a comfort for you and now you're getting an opportunity yeah. to help them out as well as they helping you out like that's got to be like insane yeah it was really cool uh to work with them and like talk with them over the phone like yo like how's school going and i was like it's going great <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're really they're they're all really cool his mom i remember like in the very beginning um his mother would always like live stream on instagram mm-hmm. and as soon as i would join in she's like oh my gosh it's the yankee artist welcome <laughs> 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 they're all really nice they're all really good people well i'm glad to hear that and i'm glad nevertheless that you got a cool opportunity to be part of a widely released like album and the drum cover or whatnot for a i imagine a good sized tour and of course yeah. you know people can say what they want about the album <laughs> the fact that you still got to do that i mean my god the fact the fact that my artwork is featured in a Fantano video is pretty fun. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't even think was, about that. Like, yes. I was like, I know I've made it. Fantano says it's trash <laughs> over my album. <laughs> it's like you can say what you want about the music, but a lot of people are gonna agree that album cover looked outstanding. <laughs> Thank you. Like, Thank I'm, you. I'm not gonna lie. Until I saw that you did that, I honestly thought that was a picture. I didn't like look in depth and see that it was like it like a painting or more or less and i was like oh mm. my god wow it's funny because there's like a, a whole bunch of discord server it's pretty inactive but when i joined it it like lit up because <laughs> i was like yeah like i did i did the cover art and they didn't believe me yeah so i sent them the version that doesn't have the pixelation on it and right. they're like oh shit like <laughs> that's actually the <laughs> um yeah i was like yeah this is something that they wanted the pixel art after the fact and i was like yeah yeah yeah. Here it is without the pixels to prove who I am. <laughs> I did that. This is to prove that this is legit. Don't doubt me. <laughs> I am the OG. <laughs> Nevertheless, like I said, that is definitely incredible. And once again, going back to all these other opportunities you've had to basically lead you up to this point. And obviously, you've. It's not like you slowed down when it comes to animation stuff, but one of the new things that you've certainly taken a step towards to, if nothing else, get your name a little bit more out there is this VTubing aspect. What exactly got you interested in VTubing in the first place? Um, Chester. <laughs> I I don't know why, but um, they, they, follow, <laughs> they follow me on Twitter, and I follow them, and, like, their whole VTubing thing is so cute, and I was Absolutely. like, I want to do that. I have, like, um, I don't know if there's, like, an actual term for it, an actual like real condition but i have a major phobia of having like my face appear on camera that's why i don't have a camera i don't take pictures um it's funny my current partner brian he thought i was a bot um, (laughs) when we met on a a dating app because none of my pictures were like selfies they were all pictures taken of me 
So he thought like, oh, this is just some random person on the internet. But it's like, no, those are of me. I just couldn't take those pictures myself. Like I cannot. Um, and I've always wanted to do streaming mm-hmm. uh, because I always told I always tell myself like, yeah, the freelance thing is cute and all, but I want to be like worthy kids when I grow up, where I could just make content and people throw money at me, and I could just make as much content as I want. Right. Um. So I thought that doing the streaming thing would be helpful. And, but I didn't want to show my face. Like, I know that, like, people show their face in the corner in, like, a little box or, like, they'll have something that represents them. And then this VTube thing comes up, and I was like, that's perfect. I can make myself look however the fuck I want. Exactly. <laughs> and, like, still have, like, some kind of visual there aside from, like, my art or the gaming that I'd be doing. Um, and so far, it's just, like, a hobby thing, a, something I do on the side. Because, right. uh, like, you need the time and resources to do it, and I don't because of work um because of money (laughs) um but like also at the same time you gotta stream more to really get so it's like a give and take Mm -hmm. um i just try to start like i'm i'm trying to find a rhythm to it i am gonna try and stream like every day for a couple weeks you know just to just to test the waters to see like what days really stick with people but i'm i'm still brand new to it um I'm always trying to find ways to update my VTuber rig and um, new things to uh, add to my stream uh, based on, like, some of the other VTubers that I've met, like Roya, uh, Roshan, uh, Vapor, Bobble, uh, Tommy. Like, they're all really great people. They all have, like, inspired me to want to continue doing the VTubing thing. Right now, like I said, right now it's just a hobby, but it would be really dope. (laughs) If it became a little bit more than just a hobby, as you know, I, as someone that has a their own job as well, like I work a, I, I'm a forklift operator and such, and then does like content creation stuff on the side. I totally understand where you're coming from by saying it's cool as a hobby right now, but if it could become the career, that is a goal and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's cool as a hobby unless you know. <laughs> Um, it looks like it looks like the reanimation thing is doing really well with YouTube though, because I've heard that like it's hard to grow on Twitch. Right. Um, it's a lot easier to grow on YouTube, and if I could get like this little bit of people uh, to come to Twitch, I could start up a Patreon and maybe people could start supporting me there and my animation work. You know, because yeah. um, like I definitely want to make my own films. I know, like I know, um, I think somebody uh, interviewed recently, Star. Like they start tease, like they're doing like a whole show. Like I just want to do little, little films. Like I have a film that I submitted to like a, a, a Warner's short program. Ooh. And if that goes through, like I'm dropping everything and I'm going to work <laughs> on that. <I> really, <laughs> Cause like, Man. that's a, that's a passion project right there, but I need time, money and resources. And I don't have that right now. <laughs> Honestly, that is very valid and very fair. I know you even said yourself, like, one of the inspirations behind going that kind of thing would be, like, you know, Worthy Kids, who is someone yeah. I would love to have on the podcast just to pick at, you know, their brain or whatnot. Um, another one I've actually had on the podcast, uh, Joni Phillips. Um, that's basically what mm. that's basically what she's been able to do for the past, like, good couple years or whatnot. In fact, at the time that we're recording this, she's about to release Barbara Westchester on YouTube, so... Like in a couple of days. Like, no, like I think like it's we, today. If I'm today, not, yeah. Like the, the, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing after we, after we end the call. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, no, but like it, 
it's not that it's certainly unattainable. I mean, especially with the stuff that you've been able to have a hand in with all the reanimation stuff, you know, getting this incredible traction when it comes to some of the VTubing aspects or whatnot, like the opportunities that you're getting, like it's perfectly possible in my opinion. Mm, it's just, I don't, again, time, money, resources, right? you know, and I can't, I can't like force people to give me money. Absolutely. But but it'd be really nice if I could. <laughs> it's it certainly wouldn't hurt. But thinking back with all these different aspects of your art journey so far that we have talked about, you know, mm-hmm. from you know just simply drawing when you were a kid, you know, college with the mixed bag of experience, Hobo Johnson, Cowboy Bebop, King of the Hill, VTubing, all these different aspects. Does it ever like? Is there ever been a moment to where you just have to step back and be like? What in the world? How did I get here? Oh, yeah. Do you ever, like, just be sitting in a coffee shop or you're, like, reading a book and be like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, you just, like, man, I was five years old at one point and it, just, it all hits you at once. Like, oh, my God, I lived a life yeah. so far. <laughs> like, that's that's just happened to me maybe, like, once every couple of days now. Yeah. Because um, uh, it's, it's just really crazy how quickly things go especially now because like every day kind of feels the same um i, I mean a pandemic it, certainly helps with that feeling but nevertheless right <laughs> right because like i'm not going anywhere i'm not seeing anybody mm-hmm. but you know it kind of makes each day melt into another and then when you finally realize like, oh my god it's friday <laughs> no it's saturday today oh my god it's saturday like i <laughs> i i didn't even know i didn't even realize it you know just like i look I look around my room, like, I finally have a room, you know, I lived in a studio apartment for a couple uh, years, and, you know, this room here is a lucky circumstance, but, like, I have a bookshelf filled with art books, I got my own desk, like, it, it's it's really weird <laughs> just having a space, it's, but it is my own. I was gonna say, at this point, you're at least comfortable for the time being. For the time being, but, again, I want to, I want to be comfortable enough to say, like, hey... I'm working on a film. Y'all should watch me work on my film. Because um, to be honest, like I said before, I hate my thesis film. Mm-hmm. And I want to make something that should have been my thesis film. But it's not a thesis film because I've grown mm-hmm. from thesis. I was not. I still don't think that I was good in college. Um, but I've definitely gotten better as I've left college. Now that like I've done the reanimates, I've had experience on... Uh, a small like smaller projects here and there mm-hmm. and the people that I've met along the way have given me countless resources countless means of inspiration on how to improve as an artist you know Absolutely. like yeah I mean it's 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 definitely a good experience it's definitely been a good journey so far but for this next question I want to go a little bit above and beyond if I may I want to mm-hmm. give you more or less the dream scenario Let's say I am Big Shot Mr. Moneybags. I come up to you and I'm like, look, Kay, everything you've had a hand in is absolutely perfect. And we know that you can produce some amazing stuff. And we want to help make that a reality. We have access to anyone and everyone in the industry. And we have more money than there should be possible. There's so many other issues we can probably take care of. But you know what? We're going to focus on you for just like five minutes. Uh, <laughs> if given this opportunity, what would be the Dream K project? Um... I've always said to myself, and this probably wouldn't be like all together, but I definitely would want to have a couple years to just to make a bunch of short films. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I specifically, oh my god, I specifically want to work with Bruce Campbell at least once. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Just to have him on set to give me a kiss on the forehead for encouragement. Like, just something. Um, I want to work with him, Nathan Lane, uh, for voice acting. Oh my god, I love Nathan Lane Absolutely. and his voice. Um, and I would definitely want to work with, like, people that inspire me and people that, like, I know work really well to create something specifically i want the film that I, I, I keep talking about it like the film if you want i could tell you about it go for it um so my partner uh and there's like there's always a backstory with me right? right so my partner and i on our first date um no no that's not that's a different story but that, that's a cute story too but on our first date he mentioned that he wanted to do a film that or well, it wasn't a film, but he wanted to have a story about college girls in the middle of like a zombie apocalypse that's caused by some hokey magic thing, and um, they all have like their own set of skills. Yeah, like the nerd, the jock, the prep, the goth, mm-hmm. um, and they all are like sp- uh, specialized in one thing or another because of past experiences or like they're on a sports team, whatever. Um, and they basically survive together and learn how to deal with each other. Uh, he's a big fan of, you know, Army of Darkness um, and, like, hokey horror kind of stuff. Um, I hate Army of Darkness, but I love Evil Dead, like the first Evil Dead. Um, and it's because of him that I got into that, right? So he was like, oh, I have an idea of like a lunch lady but it's a guy i don't know what the male term for lunch lady is lunch person um, uh, a lunch person is like preparing ground meat and it becomes the appetizer from spongebob and uh. he has to kill it um <laughs> I love and i was it. like well <laughs> well i was like i don't think that would work if he is a lunch person because that means that he's serving that to kids um <laughs> so i was like why don't don't you make it a diner and it takes place in like the middle of the night um and i sketch up this guy that's basically just bruce campbell but instead of <laughs> instead of him having a chainsaw for a hand it's a spatula <laughs> 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 um and like i've had this idea marinating the script is already done i've done character designs because there's only three characters it would be uh we named him Rainy. Very on the nose, very very clear I, reference. I wonder where um, that came from. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, like a stoner who'll come in and is completely oblivious to the situation, and then we have um what do we call it? I think it was like the nasty patty or some something. Something something um and it's like this mound of meat that has like a tomato for an eye. Um I, I really want to make it, but like time money that is is fair but honestly like just hearing this stuff or whatnot you got me sold like hook line and sinker like whatever you need done (laughs) it's it sounds incredible like even if it's just like animated stuff like that having like bruce campbell voicing a character like especially the main guy or whatnot that's just like that that is captain cheesema more than anything else like you got that like nailed down more or like hokey and like in, an endearing kind of hokey that I would just absolutely love. Um, I've also got to get you in contact <laughs> with, was it Dave Captaville, who's in charge of uh, Farfetched or whatnot? Um, I don't know if you've mm. seen anything like that. Like, 
I can tell you right now, he'd be a million times down for that idea, especially the Bruce Campbell part, because he is a major Bruce Campbell fanboy, just like you. <laughs> I, I I really am interested in the Farfetch'd um, thing. That's like the top three. It's like either the Spindle Horse people, the Farfetch'd people, and the Lackadaisy people. <laughs> exactly! <laughs> They're, <all> doing... <laughs> They're like the Disney of the indie scene right now. Exactly. Um, like, it's incredible that, like like you said, like the, the indie, like especially those like three groups right there, like there's not even a whole, like, there's a good bit of stuff out there, especially when it comes to Spindle Horse or whatnot. But, like, every time they give us, like, a little something new, like, the internet goes crazy. We need, we crave more. <laughs> <laughs> it's also really cool to see how, like, they all uh, overlap. Yeah. Because um, recently, like, like I said before, like, I'm on the Like a Daisy project. I'm, op- I'm working on it now. Mm-hmm. Um, they had me as a cleanup artist, and, like, here we are. I don't like cleanup, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Right. Um and I'm learning a lot, and all of these people have had experience with each project, and it's really cool to see like what they all brought together to make this. Yeah. Um, and just like having these connections with people now is really dope. Yeah. Um, you know. I was gonna say I know there's at least been a couple of guests that I've had on this project that, um, as well as being a part of like Spindle Horse, were also a part of Lack Daisy as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's incredible to know that like especially in this kind of indie animation scene, there's a lot of good connections and a lot of good opportunities for people to really like grow their craft more than anything else. For sure, for sure. But sadly, we have to come down from the dream scenario. We gotta get back to reality, and I'll ask the ever so generic question: Where do you mm-hmm. hope to see yourself five to ten years from now? Rich, <laughs> fair, rich, rich and happy. I just. I just, I, I know that's not going to happen, but, you know, I just hope that in a couple of years from now, um, I have that film done. <laughs> I feel like if I got that film done, posted it on YouTube, had a premiere set up, had people gas it up on Twitter for a couple months, I feel like that would just change a lot of things and get a lot of eyes on me, um, for better or worse. And, uh... You know, it'll help me grow both as an artist and maybe financially. You know, like, like not to be a capitalist, but <laughs> it's just like, it's really hard to do things without money. Um, I, I, and I feel like if I had that money, I would be able to be happier because I'd be able to make whatever the hell I wanted. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm letting you know right now, like, if you at least, like, just tease, like, some of, like, the character designs or whatnot that you're talking about, like, there will be people that will swarm to that stuff. I know I'll certainly, like, definitely. I'll definitely boost the living crap out of it because I definitely want to see more of it. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I've made, um, I made, like, a poster that is very clearly a ripoff of <laughs> Army of Darkness. Like, I hate Army of Darkness, but I love that poster. My partner and I have it in our bedroom. And we look at it every night, and like just Bruce Campbell, just like wishing us a good night. <laughs> um, his whole side of the room is just Bruce Campbell oriented. Um, uh, <laughs> and then, like, I did post like a test animation and uh, turnarounds like last year, mm-hmm. and then I just haven't worked on it since because I don't like doing storyboards, but I have to do the boards before I could do anything else, you know. Fair. Um, I mean, I'll tell you what. If you you gotta like, I gotta see that poster because now I'm like really intrigued. <laughs> like, I can definitely send it to you. Awesome. If you want to see it, I would love to see it. Um, I was like, I've never done anything like this since either. <laughs> like, 
Let me see the poster. There. I think that should be it. We wanted to call it Dead Meat, but then we also thought that was a dumb name, one. And two, there's a whole YouTube channel called Dead Meat. Yeah. They, they're the ones who do the kill count. Yeah. Um, but somebody in uh, Terrific Tariq, I'm pretty sure you've heard of him. Right. He has a Discord server for his patrons. And somebody was like, oh, call it Medium Rare Scare. Yes. And I was like, <laughs> that... I'm like, that works so much better. It's a mouthful, but it works, you know? And even then, like, I'm looking at this poster right now. And if you're okay with me, I want to include it as this part of the podcast right here, like, to give the people the visual of it or whatnot. It looks gorgeous. Sure. Thank <laughs> you. I just had a bunch of stuff because, like, I <laughs> – oh, my gosh. I love – like, <laughs> I just – when when I wrote it – um my partner and I were just going back and forth with each other at three o'clock in the morning. Like, Oh, we had a Google doc and like, he was like sitting right next to me and he had the Google doc open and he's just watching me type and like writing everything. All he did was give me the log line. I just went with everything else. I was like, Oh, we could just do this, this and this. And he's like, yeah, go for it. Sure. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just love it. When um, inspiration just flows out. <laughs> He's like, you're the artist. You're the guy who knows how to make these stories happen. I don't. <laughs> Go for it. Oh, I I love the monster. That is... <laughs> I love that. That is a great design right there. Thank you. His, his teeth are french fries. <laughs> I so. just now realized that. That's great. Uh, I, don't yeah, I don't know what you've named the monster yet, but I'd be like laughing if oh. you named it like the Friday special or something like that. No, I called it Juicy Lucy. Juicy Lucy. That's what it's called. I love that. Because um, right. yeah, there's a there's a burger out of like was it what's like Midwest or whatnot that's called Juicy Lucy. Yeah, because it has like cheese on the inside. Mm -hmm. uh, my partner and I we watch uh, this the the first we feast people the the, the same people show. who do the hot ones the burger show. Yeah, we love that guy. Dude, I love him so much. Alvin we ate at his great. restaurant. Really. We, yeah, we ate at his restaurant on Valentine's Day before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, best fucking burger I've ever had. <laughs> it's called, it was called The Usual, but now it's closed, you know, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, man, it was funny because like, they had, like, Himalayan ketchup and, like, turmeric curry mayonnaise. Wow. And my partner was like, oh, my gosh, this mustard, because turmeric is yellow. He's like, oh, my God, this mustard is amazing. <laughs> And I was like, dear, it is not mustard. That is mayo. <laughs> Best burger I ever had, though. Uh, I was going to say, I know you probably, I, I imagine you probably still watch it. Did you see the fact that at his uh, L.A. place, he's got, like, uh, different names for burger? Like, they got, uh, he's got a place out in L.A. now. And one of the burgers is, like, basically the dickhead burger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I fucking love that just because that one Seth Rogen quote. <laughs> <laughs> I I will admit like I haven't watched them in a little while like I still watch uh, cooking YouTubers right. but um, it, that's typically like something that me and my partner would just like watch together we would just throw it on the TV and like watch um, but yeah he is such good vibes if I ever met him I would I would be really happy <laughs> same, same you know I would I would love to bring him on this podcast just to talk about the art of cooking like because I know there's like an art form behind that <laughs> specifically with burgers too like there's like a whole history of it. <laughs> Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But back to the interview for a little bit. Um, <laughs> as as we start winding it down, I just got one last question that I want to ask. Obviously, you've been deeply entrenched since in arts, basically since you were born at this point. Right. 
how important is art not just for you but for the world as a whole um especially now it's definitely like a good coping mechanism Mm -hmm. um for anybody who wants to do it i always hate it when people are like oh i can't draw it's like yeah you can you just can't draw well you can still draw though you know if you keep drawing you'll get better and then you'll be able to draw well um I think that it's imperative that people create and make stuff because if you don't, then like, are we really, are we really human? You know, <laughs> you know, elephants can make art, you know, you've seen an elephant paint a tree and it's oh, yeah. like, you know, if the, does that make them more human than us? You know? I mean, it's a fair question, but nevertheless, like, yeah, you gotta get, <laughs> you gotta get a point with what you were saying. <laughs> Just, it's really important to make art. It's really important to let people like make whatever they want um, within reason, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. I mean, nevertheless, I think that was a wonderful way to word it, if I do say so myself. Um, that's all the questions that I have for you. Um, I've already shared you with a whole bunch of praise, but I'm going to share you with a little bit more because it's my podcast. I do what I want. Um <laughs> Obviously, like I said before, whenever, especially whenever I first messaged you, like I could not get enough of your art. Every single opportunity that I got to see you on Twitter, just either posting your art or having fun moments with it, it comes to your Twitch or whatnot. It's been incredible to see kind of the stuff behind it. But now, actually, get a chance to like listen to your story or whatnot, knowing just how much art means to you, like for your just entire life as a whole. It's incredible. It's honestly inspiring, and I'm glad that you've been able to to keep with this through thick and thin. And you know, no matter what life tends to throw at you, you tend to be able to keep going with these incredible opportunities. And I sincerely hope you get a million more incredible opportunities on top of that, whether it be through animation like studios, like getting some incredible jobs, or just being able to create your own stuff. Because I know there is a plethora of creativity that is just waiting to be unleashed into the world. Um, especially if the uh, medium rare uh, scare gets going a little bit more. But nevertheless, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for keeping up the incredible work. And I certainly cannot wait for what's next. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is like a surprise. <laughs> I, was, I was genuinely surprised. Like, oh, I know like eight people who've been on this guy's podcast. I would love to be part of that. <laughs> what can I say? I have a genuine love for a lot of artists out there. So, I mean, I, there's bound to be some crossover here and there. Uh, <laughs> uh, for those who may not already know for one reason or another, go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. Uh, I am Kay. Brian, as you see her, I feel that's important to mention. Um... I am on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. I'm mainly active on Twitter uh, at KBBop. Don't forget the underscore underscore if it's not the right guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> every time I like try to get the KBBop tag, it's always taken. So yeah. I have to put that underscore. Um, and yeah, I post uh, animations on YouTube. I post everything else on Twitter. And that's about it. There you go. I mean, if you missed any links or any of the links might be hard to find, I'll have them linked in the description below to make sure people are able to find it. Um, okay, sweet. Thank you. No problem. Do you have any final words before we sign off? Um, Again, this was like a really big honor. I always get like genuinely surprised whenever people reach out to me <laughs> and not the other way around. Yeah. Especially considering like, you know, when you're applying to things in this industry, you're bound to get like ghosted. So, so just like having people like reach out to me is just like a really big honor every time it happens. 
I was going to say two things. One, I know exactly how you feel because as someone that tries to contact a lot of people to be guests on the podcast, there's a good bit of times where I'm just ghosted. Understandable people. Mm. People have lives and they got a million other things they need to focus on. I am not pressuring them to come on this podcast. They, it, the invitation is always open. But secondly, I also want to ask you quickly, is this your first podcast appearance? Yeah. Oh, wow. That I, is that is an honor <laughs> for me as well. <laughs> And I mean, I nobody's really knocking on my door <laughs> to talk to me, but um, well, I'm knocking on college. <laughs> in college, I did like a podcast for a little bit, but then like, I, I me and my partner are always like, we should do a podcast. We're the funniest people ever. Like, people, people would listen to us if we, if we did a podcast. But um, yeah, this is the first time I've ever been like interviewed. Well, uh, that isn't for a job. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, nevertheless. It is an honor for me to basically be the first one to ask you questions for a podcast. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, thank you once again. And all I have up to say is for the people at home, hasta luego, amigos. All right, thank you. Tell me what's wrong, tell me it's Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard.